0: Welcome to the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee, and today we're joined by Utah activist Ken Akers, Lashawn Williams. She's a professor of social work at Salt Lake Community College, and entertainer and entrepreneur Mowly Bonner. And we have a lot to talk about. Um, some crazy stuff's been going on in uh, in our society today, and. I will say that this is probably the first time, and maybe it's not, but I, I feel like it's the first time we've had four black people in this studio. Hmm.
1: Did we, we max out the quota? I'm pretty sure we have, because
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's no more mics, so we, we have them all. Mm, here we go. Uh, but we, we're going to be talking about some uh, culturally sensitive information, but I do think it's going to be a great conversation. So uh, if you haven't been, if you've been under a rock somewhere, you may not know that Joe Rogan was uh, talking out the side of his neck a lot the, the last couple of weeks and particularly uh dropping the n-word bomb all over the place uh and and just i don't know uh, lord help me forgive me i i'm not even a religious person but i i am amazed <laughs> that the amount of uh misinformation and ignorance that can come out of people's mouths however i will give him credit for at least apologize hmm. but then uh, i want to start off the conversation however with um Brad Wilcox he is a youth leader uh, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And in Utah, it's a big deal. Uh, and with over 10 million uh, uh, members of the church around the world, it's still a big deal because he's talking to a lot of people. And this week, he said some, I don't know, what's, what's the word? Molly, how would you describe the words he was using uh, during his fireside wow. chat? I would I'd uh, probably
2: say ill-informed and insensitive. At the very least.
3: I'll go off to the races right here. I, I think it just comes from a supremacist standpoint. It's that superiority complex, is where I'd put it. Mm.
0: it. Help me out with that.
3: So basically, you know, with his particular speech, he mentioned something about, you know, the blacks not having as long as a journey as us, and so that came from a superiority yeah. position. That's
0: fair. Uh, I want to. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, let's let's. Okay. Because uh, I, I feel as though I want to give this n- as much uh, truth and information as possible. Hmm. Uh, okay, so here we go. Uh, he was asked well, – actually, that's right. He, he, he was talking about why uh, blacks in, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints until 1978, black people were not allowed to uh, have the priesthood.
1: With an asterisk next to that a little bit, but go ahead. Uh, Explain the asterisk, please. So the asterisk is prior to 1978, there was a time period from um, 1830 until about uh, 18-something or other. I'm blanking on the actual date, but... 18, let's say, no, let's not say 1864, because that's the Civil Rights Civil Civil War. War. But um, there was a period in time when black people were ordained to leadership. We only have, you know, a couple of token people that we name Elijah Abel. This is 1947
0: Mm. when Mm. Joseph Smith died.
1: 1847. 1847. Yes, so about 17 years from the organization of the church through the martyrdom of Joseph Smith, where black people were, black men were ordained to leadership in the priesthood, which allowed them to serve missions. We still could not enter temples, but. We could serve missions. And so from about 1847 to 1978, it bolsters a person's argument like Brad Wilcox. They didn't have to wait that long. We had to wait a whole oh, 1,829 right. years to get the priesthood. How come we had to wait that long? But, right, you know, right, when right. Bradley is talking, it's, you know, not in context because he was trying to make a point, which to the superiority piece, I agree. Absolutely,
3: absolutely. And that circles back around, you know, even with his apology when he came back around with that, which, you know, he did apologize you know, he was speaking about a particular subject. He was trying to position it, which he had no idea what to do. Correct. And so, therefore, he only walked into the conversation what he knew best. Correct. Back to
0: the superiority. I'm going to, this is, uh, to give some context, this is his speech in his fireside, and he says, now, sadly, you live in a time, you, he's speaking to the, uh, his uh, the youth members, you live in a time where a lot of people get uptight about priesthood issues one of the most glorious things we have in the church, and yet people want to sit and fight about it and get uptight about it, he said during his uh, fireside. And he continued, I don't mean to oversimplify a complex issue. I Mm -hmm. uh, sure think that we make it a lot harder than it needs to be, referencing the questions he received on this issue. So he says, maybe we're asking the wrong question. Maybe instead of saying, why did the blacks have to wait until 1978, maybe we should be asking why did the whites and other races have to wait until 1829? A uh, thousand eight hundred twenty nine years they have they've waited. Why did the Gentiles have to wait until after the Jews? Why did everybody uh, in the house of his uh, Israel, except the tribe of Levi, have to wait until?
1: Hmm.
0: So he uses this as his argument. And but he there are people who are listening to this. Their mouths are gape. And then they're recording it, which I thought was interesting, because this is how this came out. This isn't the first time he had said anything like right, this. Right, this is right. an ongoing issue. Uh, Channel 4 did a news report about it uh, previously. So he has made missteps before and still had not yelled, uh, learned from it. And then he makes an apology later on. Uh, his apology reads in part two, as I'm going to get to this. Wait a minute. Okay. I'm not doing that right. Uh, let's go back here.
3: Which, mind you, this yeah. this apology came out quick. hmm because, I mean, let's give credit to, you know, I mean, we could drive the bus over this, but let's give credit to, you know, a lot of the individuals within the church, too. That, that from, would actually from, bring it up. Absolutely. That's from right. my position, you know, from the, the activist position, you know, I got a lot, a lot of white folks that are, that, are, that are looking at us us saying, hey, that wasn't right. And so, you know, they pushed back on this ordeal and they pushed back hard. And so that, excuse me, and no, that's, that brought up the, the apology within that 24 hours.
0: His apology reads, my dear friends, I made a serious mistake last night and I'm truly sorry. The illustration I attempted to use about the timing of the revelation on the priesthood for black members was wrong. I reviewed what I said and I recognized that what I had hoped to express about trusting God's timing did not come through as intended uh, to those I offended, especially my dear black friends. I offer my sincere apologies and ask for your forgiveness. I am committed to do better.
3: So, again, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to run with that one, too, because here here's the thing that I have a problem with in, in both perspectives when he pedestals the apology, too. He pedestals the, the apology as if it needs to be directed to the black community. You know, when he's in that position and he makes those arguments or he's trying to position something in, in a sense that's making sense to him, he should apologize to himself. Hmm. He should apologize to himself because he was uninformed in about the ordeal. He wasn't he he took away from the part that he was speaking in an oppressive manner. And so he needed to correct that. Even though it could have came off offensive, which the apology, you know, is coming across, but he
0: needs to correct his manner, not not the apology. Molly, uh, you heard it what were your thoughts? I mean, And by the way, okay, so I sh- yeah. uh, full disclosure you and LaShawn, both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Yes. All my
1: whole life.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So,
2: I mean, initially hearing his remarks, I mean, it was, it was. I, I couldn't listen to it straight through. Mm-hmm. I had to stop, walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, stomach was tight. I'm like, am I about to throw up? Is this a physical reaction? Mm-hmm. And then going back, listen to another minute and a half. It was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. And I think that, I don't even think that he realizes what pain he caused by doing that. And right, what perpetual right, right. abuse is going to continue mm-hmm. when that message is put out because I don't think he was speaking to black people. No. No. You know, in that message. Certainly
0: not. He called us the blacks <laughs> so, multiple times. You know, and so yeah, right, he, he, did, and he said the whites even in his apology.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, I, when you asked me how would I define it, and I said ill informed, because I, I just have to believe that he didn't know what LaShawn was saying, that there were. Black priesthood holders, 1832, Black Pete, 1833, um, Joseph T. Ball. Like Mm. There was black priesthood holders before 1978, so why did he tell them that?
1: But this is the thing. It Mm. complicates the thing that he was trying to say. He said, why did all of us have to wait until 1829? Now, here's the thing. Yeah, because all of us got in 1829. White women got the priesthood. Mm. Black men got the priesthood. So the question actually becomes, Brad, why did it stop? That's what he needs to address. And he thinks, why did black folk have to wait until 1978? Well, why do we have to wait again? Is the actual question. And right. his apology is garbage because he says, I was trying to explain that it was God's timing. God's timing restored the priesthood in 1829 to all. Right. Man's racism, white supremacy denied the priesthood to black people specifically Thank from you. 1847 Thank until you. 1978 and still allows leadership to perpetuate the issue of God's timing. It is not God's timing. People say all of the things happen on the Lord's clock. Well, we are the hands. On the Lord's clock is what I've also heard. So if we're not making the moves to make changes, we can't keep blaming God. I think God might get a little bit upset about that. And I have seen some Old Testament stories when God got mad about stuff. I don't want to be on that side of God. I want to be on the nice Jesus side of God. That's what I would like to be. And so I need people to understand that his apology it still doubles back on itself because Thank he's you. continuing to lie, as you said, to yes, himself because yep. he is, as you said, ill-informed. Right. Because you can't know the history and then still say everybody had to wait. White people had to wait. Because the thing is, white people had to wait longer than the blacks. That's what he's trying, trying to, to say. say. Yeah. Can and I
2: can I just address that real go quick? For it. I just think it, that whole message, that whole message in general, to say that what about white people having to wait as long as they wait? Imagine, 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 imagine. White people are eating this full meal. Black people over here are starving. And we give them a little scrap. Give them a little scrap of food. They continue eating their feast for years and years and years. And then someone says, White, why do the black people have to wait before we can eat this big meal? Right. And he says, well, we didn't get our meal until... Like, that is the dumbest thing to validate well, when you started your feast while other people are starving. Think,
0: we'll, we'll continue our discussion. I know yeah. we got a whole other segment, so I just want to keep us on time a little bit. Absolutely. Um, by the way, love all of you. I don't even you don't know how proud and how just I'm so happy today. We Uh, we will continue this discussion because there's so much more. You're listening to Voices of Reason. We are back with the Loudmouth Project Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee. Today, uh, I am joined by Ken Akers, who's a Utah activist, uh, Professor LaShawn Williams, uh, social work, I'm sorry, the professor of social work at Salt Lake Community College, and Molly Bonner, who is kind of a renaissance man of uh, entertainment and filmmaking. And what else do you do, man? It's like Tell- other than everything. Music,
2: whatever, whatever I got to do. I, I'm, I'm,
0: <laughs> real quick. Yeah. So uh, we met on the phone yeah. uh, a couple of years ago. And, you know, he, I just couldn't stop listening. He's just such an interesting person, and I when, when I went to go see your film, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know what what to expect, right? But it was it was better than I expected, certainly. But I, I am uh, I'm just amazed. It was still your first uh, foray into that kind of thing. So uh, again, it it just speaks to your talent and your ambition, and I just. I just think that's a wonderful thing. I, I, I appreciate that he's it. got
3: this Tyrese thing looking. He's got the teeth. He's got the big that's smile so funny, and everything. That's so yeah. funny. He's, he's no, I a, will say, but the film,
2: what the film did in talking about black history, the the early black pioneers and priesthood holders that mm-hmm. that Brother Wilcox didn't acknowledge in his in his statements were, so to your point, I'm, I work in music. I have, right now I'm writing with Stevie Wonder on his album. And we're talking. Right. But here's the here's the thing. Where in the world would I be talking to Stevie Wonder about the Mormon church? And I don't mean that in the pejorative right. sense. Right, right, I'm saying, sure. you know, and we have spent hours talking about the gospel and beliefs right, only right. because we're being transparent about the history. Mm-hmm. Instead of right. saying, instead of talking about the history. Sure. You know, so I just think it's so important for us to address the things from the past so that we mean understand why we are where we are today.
3: Can we talk about the past a little bit? Let's talk about the, the language, though. I mean, things... Let's, let's, we're going to uh, yeah, just want to yeah, yeah, reset yeah. it. So uh,
0: Brad Wilcox, uh, Brother Brad Wilcox, right? That's yeah. how mm-hmm. he would be addressed. Mm-hmm. He is uh, a leader in the church. He's a, uh, a youth leader. So he basically uh, speaks to millions of young uh, members about uh, uh, the word mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and how to be a, a good Christian person. Sure. And yet in his comments to them very recently – He used very pejorative uh, language to reference people like ourselves, african American, well, blacks. I mean, because you could be from anywhere. But uh, the idea, though, is that he referred to us as the blacks. He referred to whites as the whites, even. Mm -hmm. And he he conflated how uh, blacks were sidelined for a time, uh, not allowing uh, to ascend to the priesthood, and then tried to make it seem as though there was some comparison because of of how long— Others, including white people, had to wait uh, initially before there was even a, a, a church. Yes. So it, it it was, again, very convoluted. Uh, it was beneath someone who considers themselves to be a learned man and certainly someone right. who considers themselves to be a leader uh, to young people who they are supposed to uh, aspire to be. Sure. And so you were saying, I'm, I'm sorry. Yes, sir.
3: Yes, sir. No, you're perfectly fine. I think, so we go back to the language. You know, we were talking about the, the has and the has not. You know, we we speak about those things sometimes. And when you speak about individuals that say certain things in society against racism or racist mentality, you know, some of these folks will say things, you know, just as simple, just very as simple as BET or Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Well, why do they get the Black History Month and we do not? Why do they get the b e t channel and and we do not and so here we are listen to you know brother Wilcox why do they or why do we and it's the same language that lines up for me it's so, i mean yeah absolutely right. it's the same language for me and so you know as me being a black man when I hear that right when I hear that language, it all lines up for me and it sends up every red flag and mm-hmm. triggers everything. And my alert is on full blast. I'm paying attention to everything around me at that point. So that's what the problem that, you know, leads me down the
0: path that leads me down. Excuse me. Well, I mean, I mean, you kind of broke it down as I guess, succinctly as we could. You've heard this, y- your life. I mean, both you guys, are, I'm not trying to tell everybody's age, but you're 40.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes.
0: uh, here we go. So, uh, <laughs> you've had to deal with Ooh. this for forty years being uh in a minor- being a minority and a minority in in a church correct and it's a church it's your life uh, the, i'm not a person of faith, but I understand how important one's faith is to them mm. and so when you, you've had to listen to the controversy all these years and then have someone who you know is uh in the hierarchy of your church just uh be as obtuse as he was mm. you're you're how did you take it, and, and how do you look to it and say, well, there's something more than this, and we can't allow this to uh, you know, demean what we know to be our, our true faith?
1: Oh, it was tough, because Brad Wilcox has written this book called The Continuous Conversion, and I have highlighted and underlined and circled and referenced and um, sent people— Paragraphs and quotes out of the book because the man is so good with analogies. Mm. He's beautiful when he talks about the atonement and about the power of grace and how God can fill up every single gap and you don't have to do anything more than believe and try. He is fantastic with that. And I was like, I gotta burn the man's book. I was so upset. Mm. I was mad. I was like, I gotta, be- I gotta burn all the Brad stuff. My friend was like, No, 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 no. God can use imperfect people to do good work. And I was like, right, okay, right, right. okay, okay, okay. Because I got to do a lesson on the Old Testament. I got to talk about Abraham and Lot. So I understand that God uses imperfect people, but it's like in 2022, and it's not even the imperfect people thing. It's the rhetoric that we have as, as the church and as a faith is if you listen to your card-carrying member of the Church of Jesus Christ Day Saints, you will hear language like we are the only true church. So if you are the only and you are restored and you are the only ones that has Christ at your head, how do you walk around saying crazy stuff that has been disavowed for almost (laughs) 10 years? At least. At last check, 2013, the Race in the Priesthood essay disavowed much of the stuff that Brother Wilcox was saying. Disavowed it. So how are you, Brother Wilcox, in leadership of the worldwide church and now you're going counter to the 2013 race in the priesthood essay. And then your apology continues to purport this notion of, I'm sorry, I was trying to articulate God's timing about being racist to all of y'all, but I used a bad example, but you said God was racist and that's the wrong part. Mm-hmm. So you can't even apologize in a more perfected way. So yes, he's an imperfect leader room for grace. Fine. What about accountability? Like, I want him to go back and read his book and be like, you know what? That continuous conversion and the grace, you better start asking for some extra measures for right, you right, because right, I expected right, right. you to know better and do better.
3: That seems like a loophole for me, though. A loophole how? The forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, when we when I mean, are we all supposed to forgive? No, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But, you know, here we go. We talked about accolades earlier. You know, we talked about profound individuals and their their stature, where they fit in society. You know, that kind those those accidental mishaps should lessen. It should come to a peak. You know, when you're broadening and you're learning at the lower end of the spectrum, you have quite a few mistakes. And that's what sharpens your spear. Mm-hmm. When you get up to the top, they should be very few. Right. You should have many fewer of those incidents. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely.
0: So, well, but I mean, t- so in, going back to your point, I'm, I'm shocked that you tell me that he is great at analogies. Oh, he's so good. He could not have been any worse. Yeah. That was terrible. Case. Yeah. And, and to me, like, I feel bad for other uh, church members because this this was their guy. He he's he's supposed to again be a person who helps um make young people feel like they they love 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 their faith and they want to do the best they can to hmm. uh you know present it to everybody in the world. But he just literally submarined their efforts to a pretty large segment of the population on this earth and right. and certainly in America. So how how do you And Molly, we only got two minutes. But like, so how do you look look at that? And then somehow, you you offer that grace. What would you like him? What would you like to see him do to uh, redeem himself?
2: Oh wow! It It would be he would have to do what a lot. What would make a lot of people upset? Which is sit down with black people, people thank of African you. descent and understand why it's painful. So I, I think the apology, thank you so much for doing it so quickly, but now let's learn. So let's actually right. learn why, because usually, um, especially since George Floyd, my white friends that do something, say something and their quick response. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I'm like, but let's talk about why. Mm-hmm. Right, Otherwise right, you're going right. to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that he wants to learn about why and the damage that it is. So when I was with the age of the kids in that class, uh, in that fireside, when mm-hmm. I was their age, I was made to stand up in front of my seminary class, and they said so these are teenagers primarily. This is yeah, mm-hmm. fourteen years old, and the man, my teacher, says, "Stand up. You see the color of your skin. You'll never, you'll never see Christ."
0: Ooh, he said that to you? He would have yeah. saw Jesus
1: right oh. then, and I would have been in jail. So here's the thing. Oh, here's
2: the thing. Because of the teachings that. That the people have questions about. The youth right now so he said you'll never see Christ. And it's because of color of your skin and this and reason and can and all these things that broke it all down and, to you. Yeah. And all these things that have been disavowed. Yes. But because there is not thorough acknowledgement of the pain and suffering and racism see, some of that these that causes things- people that live within the faith, then instead you have someone who says, Don't worry about them, worry all about right. you. And that is so damaging. Mm-hmm. See, these
3: are the things that need to be heard, though, because it's, again, the apology, right? The uh, the apology happens today, but the ripple effect is still
0: rippling. And you got to apologize at some point. Sure. But, I mean, you set the stone for others. Right, right. Well, and, again, I, I'm like you. I, I hear these things, and it, it hurts me to know that you had to hear that again. Yeah, it's something absolutely. that means so much to you, right? But uh, we always have to uh, err on a... Not all people are bad. And even smart people do really, 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 really dumb things. Very I'm nice. not letting him off the hook. Because what I heard was, uh, as we've been talking about, this is something that's in him. And he has to deal with that. Right. He has to, uh, you know, find it in himself to be better, not do better. Right, right, right. And and I don't know, you know. But we need to see that. We need to see that. We do, but he needs to see it first. Sure. Uh, we got to uh, switch to another topic of more ignorance, unfortunately but shocking this, i know it's mm. it's it's shocking and very rich too the guy is uh we're going to talk about joe rogan in our next segment you're listening to voices of reason Jason Lee back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. Joined today by Ken Akers, LaShawn Williams, and Molly Bonner. Okay. We are going to switch a little bit. And it's kind of like a detour, not even a, a, a sharp turn. Because we're still back in the racist part. And uh, today, uh, LaShawn is wearing a shirt that says, slap your local racist. We all should own one of those.
3: Which I'm going to pick.
0: <laughs> <you up. laughs> we, we may have to find it somewhere. Because <laughs> I don't get what it is. Yeah. Uh, Joe Rogan. Is an interesting character. I, I have I remember him on a show years ago. It was called Fear Factor, and people did really weird stuff for fifty thousand dollars, which, by the way, not a lot of money. Mm. Fifty thousand dollars won't change my life. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand why anybody would eat bugs for that. That's that's one thing. But and he was a comedian. But I learned about him because I'm a UFC fan, mm-hmm. so I watch MMA, and he's very good at that. And actually, he's a black belt in a couple of different disciplines, so he's he knows what he's talking about. However, he got a podcast years ago that. Got a following, so much so that Spotify paid him $100 million last year to do his podcast. Hmm. So, as you would imagine, he don't work for money no more. And that's money he's going to get no matter what, because he has millions of people listening to him. But if you listen to his podcast, sometimes he can be quite obtuse, and other times he can be quite ignorant. But I didn't know this, but uh, there was uh, – a. Um, Oh, a collage, a collection, a mashup of him over the years. And this was many years ago, by the way. This is over a decade ago. But it was very regular. On the regular, he's dropping the N-word. I mean, like if you listen to it, uh, Google Joe, uh, Joe Rogan uh, N-word and you'll find it. You cannot believe he kept saying this over and over. And, and, and first of all, nobody talked about it. Mind you, this is the hard R. Oh no, I know he he Well, he's not us, but he, so he's doing his thing. But 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 the whole point is that it was just so ridiculously it just fell out of his mouth mm. all the time. Uh, somebody finally hears this, and and then he has to apologize. Now this is after he apologized for saying a bunch of other crazy stuff about COVID, mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
0: because he's been putting his foot in his mouth about that for months now, and even after he got it, he kept being silly. So I want to ask you guys, have, have have you heard it? I have. Rashawn, you've heard it? And mm-hmm. you yes, have not so, heard it. Okay, don't, Ken. Don't, I'm, I'm, well, I can't play it here because we yeah. ain't saying that. No, here. I've it. nah. It's <laughs> a non-inward <Yeah>. uh, zone. <laughs> so, Molly, I'm going to start with you. When you first heard how much he had said it, what were your thoughts?
2: Okay, so I feel guilty about my thoughts Uh-oh. because I felt like, oh, no, not Joe. I love Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he's a good dude. Yeah. And then that made me think, man, why is that the first reaction that – we give when a white person does something terrible is, well, but they're a, like. they're a good guy they're but that's what comes out but if yeah. a black person does nothing and something happens to him we find the dirt on him well yeah. you know he's a
0: yeah 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 you know and so I, I feel
2: right. guilty that right away my reaction was not the pain that is causing black people but like oh not Joe he's a good guy and so i hate that that was my initial reaction hmm. and then i hate that it's not going to change anything mm. right right because right, right. the people that listen to him or listening because he does that. Yep.
3: So they put the it's he's it, he set the tone, you know. Because what's happening now is amongst you know a
0: lot of the white folks they're saying, well, why can't we say it too? And the answer always is the same reason. If I'm if I got a, a sibling, and the guy next door calls him an a hole, mm. we got a problem. Right, right, right. Just because he heard me say it don't mean you got the right to say it, right? Because there's a familiarity that allows. People who know themselves and each sure. other better to say things that you can't otherwise say. It's rude when somebody else says it. It may be rude when I say it, but it's, it's offensive when you say it. Right. But you're talking
3: about a face-to-face
0: manner, though, too. I'm, I'm talking about it all, man. I don't, yeah. look, I don't I don't. call women, you know, the B word. Sure, sure, I don't sure. I'll drop sure. the N word. You know, sure. I could. And in fact, right. until I was in high school, I did. But that was 40 years ago. That don't come out of my mouth no more. Right. Because I know better and I know why. And so when I hear people make that, uh, and I know, I know you didn't say this, but I, when I, when I hear white people or oh, any non-black person say, "Well, y'all say it," I'm like, "Well, that's because we say it. Don't mean you could say it." And if you were in a certain circumstance, you would know better than to say it. Because right. if you go to South Central saying that, right, you won't have no teeth. Look, man, I you know I spent my
3: time in the military. You know I grew up here in Salt Lake, and um, by the time I got in the military, that was a thing. A lot of the fellows were saying the word, you know, they was just talking amongst each other.
0: all races? Yeah,
3: all races. Everybody was saying it. But, I mean, I grew up here in Utah, and I heard that as a child, you know, from a lot of white kids. So I disowned that word from jump, you know. So for me getting in
0: the military, you know, I didn't appreciate it being said by anybody. I'm surprised that the military allowed that to, uh, uh, you know, proffer. I mean, how how is it that uh, either non-commissioned or commissioned officers being around that wouldn't say, hey— that's that's no go.
3: Well, you get you get fellas, you know. It's just like football team, you know. You get fellas. We can get around each other and say certain things without everybody hearing what's going on. Okay, you know. So I mean, there's it, there's loose conversations that happen. Interesting, but I mean, you know, in those circumstances, it was it was it was never in a position, you know, for me. So if I hear it in any sense,
0: you know, I don't agree with it whatsoever. Well, Sean, you have children. I do. Um, what do you tell them about the whole idea of using an N word?
1: Well, um, I have to come at it from the position of a professor who, who discusses language and its usage thereof. My children have a different experience because they're very, very, very light, but they know that they are very, very, very black. Mm. And so they're at an age right now developmentally where we're talking about it. So I have a teenager and I have a tween, and so we're talking about use of language in the school setting, but also at home, and I try and keep every conversation on the table. And so uh, my oldest actually had an experience where a child at school – said to my kid oh that n-word feisty and i understood the kid was saying it as a slang and how mm-hmm. the kids use it as like the hip-hop pronoun my child heard it and was like he called me the n-word so then they all reported to the principal now what happened to me i go and i go to the school because of course i go to the school i was like hey, hey, hey let's have a conversation so and the principal said to me well you know that your kids don't really look black and i was like but my children know that they are black and And your kids know
0: that they're black too
1: very much so my children know that they're black and they know that non-black people do not use that word with them so it does not matter what my child looks like to you my child knows who they are and they will not be called the n-word by this other person of color so of course when the other parents got brought in we're people of color, too. We don't understand why our child would say that kind of a word. And I'm like, it's because y'all are all socialized to do it. And you want to say it, but you don't want the consequences that come when somebody right. holds you accountable right, for right, saying right. it. My what question, I don't
0: like is the idea that uh, the, the, uh, the educator, the administrator, says your kids don't look black. Right. First of all,
1: you should be pissed that anybody
0: said it in your in your school, mm-hmm. right, right, right. no matter what color anybody right. is. Agreed. Why did he have to identify? It's why, my that, problem? That is totally different. That is, that right. is completely different. Uh, 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 irrelevant to this yes, conversation. Sir. It is, but yes, it speaks
1: to the fact that people do not register the information without phenotyp- phenotypes. Okay, if somebody doesn't, I know. I'm comment, sorry. I'm now. using my SAT words. Right, I pre- I know. I know. If someone doesn't me, have, you know, brown <laughs> black skin, uh, just the the typical features of a black person. My kids are very light. They're very like white presenting, if you will. But my kids know that they're black. Are they lighter
0: than you? Right. 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 Yes. Oh, because you you don't present as a white person.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But I'm not the darkest sister in the room either, and I have to also accept that. You're looking at me. Look, I'm just saying. I'm just
0: saying. (laughs) I mean, we're the last people to be talking about this. You're right.
1: You're right. My kids, though, I have to. It's always light skins, man. It's true. It's always (laughs) light-skinned (laughs) behavior. You can't. You can't. can't. It's just, it's shady, and it's, it's difficult. But my kids know who they are. And I've made it a point to make sure I said, listen, you will have a different walk in this world because you mm. can see both sides. You will be in conversations and folks will not know you are black until you tell them. You still have mm. a responsibility to interrupt, to disrupt and to correct. And so it's a, it's a different burden for my kids. But it just shows you that educators are not primed to not even just recognize the word. They say, I have to see a black person for the word to matter. That's how they make the connection. Hmm. Without seeing a black person, the word oh, is just what kids say. So, oh, Molly,
0: you're in music. Yes. You got to know that, in, especially in the hip-hop culture, people throw it around all the time. Yeah. And I, I still feel like, in one minute, that um, it, it is not—we have to stand up and say, you can't say that. I mean, as, as a person in music, have you, you had to deal with that? Uh, and,
2: Here's the thing. I don't feel that way. Really? I don't say the word, but— Education. I, So I don't say the word, but, I, you know— Coming up and being in black neighborhoods and talking to my black people, it's endearment. It's jokes. It is love. It it feels nothing less than that. It only means that we're that close. But have you heard it from somebody that's not black? No, of course. Of course. So I don't I, I personally don't use it, but I don't use it because I don't want there to ever be a question for a white person to use it and think, "Well, you said it." See, and that's the so, thing. But where I'm, I'm at not going to tell two. my people. For right. me, that's where two.
3: I'm at with it too. I mean, so my feeling on that because we have this lateral transition stage with this word, right? So folks are using the word, and then folks are not agreeing with the word. If I heard folks using the word, I, I, you know, it, it, I would still I would still grind my teeth over it, you know, just the way that it positions. But I mean, in, in that context that you had described it, I mean, I could see that, you know. But I
0: mean, for me. It's 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 not flying. When we come back, I, I, I'll let you go. I'm sorry. No, uh, you're good. I can wait. You got to start uh, because Joe Rogan apologized, and actually one of the right. better apologies I've ever heard. However, <laughs> he still started a ball rolling that is hard to get stopping. That momentum is going now. Mm. We'll continue our discussion when we come back. Starting now, with Professor Williams over there. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, back with the my Project's Voices of Reason, speaking today with Ken Akers, LaShawn Williams, and uh, Molly Bonner. We are talking about language, its impact, and, and as it relates here, race in language, because we, have, we started out with uh, Brad Wilcox, who is a, a, a leader in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, making somewhat, I would describe as disparaging remarks uh, and using disparaging language to explain a situation which he only dug himself a hole in. And then Joe Rogan, who apparently just thought N-word in, in the 2000s was a thing, you know, because he was dropping it every show. It so it seemed. But he did come back with what I thought was a pretty uh, sincere apology, owning up to the fact that he did use it a lot. He did try to act like they, uh, this mashup was taking stuff out of context. But I'm like, no, nah, dude, if you said it that, that much, not not a, there's not a whole lot of context going on mm-hmm. with that, mm-hmm. because that's not a word you would loo- use in everyday language and there are over a dozen examples of you using it. So it was something that came out of your mouth. But he did say he doesn't use it anymore. And he said it was stupid and ignorant. Okay, I'm good with that. That's that's owning his mistake. Not everybody does that. And uh, LaShawn, before I rudely cut you off, you were going to explain, you know, kind of as Ken was talking, you know, we, we all feel a certain way about things. And we... We address them as we know how, whether it's language coming from another black person or a person who is not uh, of color. It, it can be it can be dicey. You, you have to kind of uh, navigate those waters while you're in them. But I do feel like in my life, as I've been able to learn what language to use and what language not to use and in and, and who in front of who I can. I don't curse in front of my mother.
2: Hmm.
0: And I'm 50 years old. I right. can do whatever I want, but I don't because that's respectful. The same way I don't want to hear a white person say, well, black people say it all the time.
3: Mm.
0: That doesn't mean you should do it. Mm -hmm. And it certainly isn't respectful no matter how you uh, carve it up. But professor.
1: So in his apology, he clarified when he was using the word and he talked about how he discussed red Fox and a couple of other black comedians that use the word profusely. Richard Pryor made it the title of his album. uh, album. He sure did. He sure did. Right. And so he's talking about how he was using the word while discussing these things. Now, Am I interested enough in the conversation to go back and listen to the podcast to understand? No, I am not. The difficulty is this. He said, this was way back in 2011. Let's talk about who was president of the United States in 2011. Would you have had that conversation in front That's of right. President and Mrs. Obama? Right. Right? No, right, right, no right. not at all. Unless
0: you are, uh, um, what? Um, what is Larry's last name?
1: King? Mm.
0: No. Um, Larry Wilmore. Oh, Larry Wilmore, Who I love, but made the, the most grievous error in the history of grievous errors to me. Truly. Right. When he Truly. dropped the N-word with the president. Yes. Right, right, right. right. So
1: what you're, what you're looking at is someone saying, I used it in this context to have this conversation. Okay. What I would love to see is instead of Joe apologizing, I want to see him analyze himself. What was going on for you that it made sense that you were trying to have this conversation? And what do you know better about yourself now that you will no longer have those kinds of conversations?
3: And not only when he figures that out, to he, he's got an obligation and duty at this point to let other people know how to fix that same issue because he's just impregnated this idea amongst how many?
1: And let me speak to that very quickly because I was thinking about this as we were going to talk about it, right? And I said – if he's going to analyze and he's going to actually do work to repair this, if that happened 10, 12 years ago, twelve years in, Joe, twelve years out, right. for the next twelve years, I want you to fix this, mm. and I want every single podcast episode to be about you fixing this error. Well, when will it be enough? If it was enough for you to go through it twelve years, you can give me another twelve. Right, right. You right. can go ahead, make a hundred million dollars doing that, and then donate it to all the black people. But now we're talking about we're talking
3: about moral obligation now
1: financial obligation that too yeah
3: i mean how do we hold people morally accountable for for mistakes they have to have morals right Right. you gotta start with that right Mm -hmm. and not everybody has them right and what we're doing right now in today's day and age we're just tossing a you know uh apology letter at it with no
0: morality behind it i mean okay so then you ask yourself what, what what do you expect as the apology so i to me Uh, And I want to go back to the. uh, I I didn't say this about Wilcox, and I'm 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 going to use it now to a degree. See, the reason, part of the reason I don't use the N word is because I think it's dehumanizing, right? Right. That's that's how it was used against us when we came over here on slave ships, right? Right about that. So that's that's all I hear. I know what you say, Malley, and I'm I as a person who used it, I get the um the familial familial kind of language you could use that in. However, I still think of it as dehumanizing first and foremost. And so I don't want to hear it coming from nobody's mouth, really. Right, right, right. Just because I just I don't think that way of other human beings. Right. And when you use that kind of language, when you call us the blacks, that's that is again othering, dehumanizing us. Joe Rogan, I don't think he thinks we're not human, and I, but I also
1: Planet of the Apes.
0: Well, he did. Okay, Ooh, fair enough. I was going to go there, I but was again, for the pitch, I would, I'm, I'm here's waiting. the thing: I'm saying to you that his words would say that he does. But I think in, in his heart of hearts, I would like to believe he has evolved. Did I just say evol- evolution with apes? So if, if, um, if he has gotten better, evolved, since he said that he got out uh, of – um, he went to a, a black theater and he thought he was in the Planet of the Apes, again, we, we can't make this stuff up.
3: So here we go, though. I mean, let, let's, let's talk about – we go back. We were talking about Wilcox where I brought up the superiority complex. He could be sincere. We, we, we're all, you know, educated individuals here with a heart. You know, we're having some very heartfelt conversations on the air and off the air and we're talking to each other with love and compassion. Okay. And that we could feel that from him, right? That's the, that's the normal human response to feel that from him. But it's the language again for me. He's coming from a superiority complex. He's going to feel heartfelt, but he's yet still thinking as a second class citizen to them.
2: Here's the thing, though uh, it, it's the fact that he's not acknowledging that it was racist. It's right. like, you, I mean, I, I appreciated right. the apology, <clears throat> but how hard is it to talk for eight minutes about what he did and not say that it was racist?
3: Right, right, and, right. And right. I feel
2: like. White people in general will do anything to say I'm not racist. They don't want, that's the last thing they want to be called. Right. When I moved to a white neighborhood, uh, my sophomore year, my sophomore year, I moved to Utah for that year. And then I mm-hmm. went back to uh, Vegas. Mm-hmm. I went to L.A., actually. My sophomore year, Utah, football, I'm running back kicks, and I hear, catch that N-word. Ooh. Catch that N-word. And I'm like, are they saying N-word? And I looked down. On. And there's multiple people shouting that to me as I'm running down.
1: From the and stand I, from In from this, the
2: sideline, I look over and it's the opposing no. coach that's leading that catch that n word right. And I went to my coach afterwards and like, coach, they're calling me an n word. Like, I think it was it was that coach and it, who else was it? I am trying to think. He's like, no, 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 listen, son, we're not racist. We are not racist around here. And and my point is mm-hmm. is that to, they want to be absolved so quickly right. that they won't even acknowledge right. what they're doing. Well, again, again,
3: putting that pedestal, right? When you when you finally take somebody off that pedestal and you hand them the shovel, they don't know what to do with the shovel, right? They, they are completely blissed that they got a shovel in their hand. So we're asking, again, when we had talked about this, we're asking somebody to look in the mirror and actually describe yourself. Yes. That's what we're asking to do. And there are people... When we see in society, we see these individuals that will finally look in the mirror and they finally realize and they'll finally put some work into play into fixing the matter. Then we know that person is heartfelt and genuine. They got the morality and everything to back with it. But society is forcing these individuals. Okay. Okay. That's where that's that's where we have the uphill battle. That's where we're struggling, and that's why we're having these conversations right now because we have to force and we have to fight and we have to claw and we have to scratch and we have to get these individuals to. We have to jump around with the mirror and try to get it in front of their face. It's so mm-hmm. funny to
0: be like uh, it must be like a funhouse mirror to them. They're like, that's not even a real that's mirror. Even what, me. That's not even me. Right, right. That's not me.
2: <laughs> so then, what is it? The, so, do we cancel? No,
0: no. Uh, you know what? I I I, you, I don't. Some people deserve canceling, but I don't think. This is the case for either of those guys, actually.
2: So here's my question to that: Then, what does that mean to not cancel Brad Wilcox? Hold does that up. mean send him back out?
1: Well,
0: I, okay, I'm gonna let uh, Professor here. She's she's waiting.
1: No, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna say that there are conversations that we have in 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 our in our mainstream places where Whoopi Goldberg yep. was suspended for two weeks for something that she said. Hmm. Right. Um, Netflix walked out on Dave Chappelle for his comedy shows, the fourth in his series, right? right? And I think it's interesting when we talk about canceling, and I have to be so careful about how this is going to be perceived because I don't want it to be perceived against other marginalized groups. What I want people to understand is that no one ever gets canceled for being racist. In ways that we get canceled for being sexist, anti-Semitic, homophobic, etc. Right. You et can't be
0: anti-Semitic at all. I mean, think about it. it's
1: tough, and that's the thing. We, if we're going to cancel, and if we're going to hold folks accountable for their anti-Semitism, for their homophobia, for their transphobia, we've got to hold them accountable for their racism, their sexism, etc. Like, those two... Are areas where it's hard to get someone canceled. You can even get a lot of men canceled for sexism, right. but you can't get people canceled in it, the same ways for racism. I don't know why that is, or for anti-blackness specifically, right? Because some with some other racial groups, people will get canceled over John those Gruden things. Got canceled.
0: Who? John Gruden.
1: Oh, the Raiders he's football one,
0: coach. one example, mm, yeah. Yes, one just, example just saying, just of one. the emails. Right, right, and right, right. he's but fighting it, it. And it wasn't just black people he talked about. Yeah. No, right, he did go over the board. Yeah. Yes, okay. absolutely. So um, we got we to gotta stop this. I love you all. And if I say it again, I love you all. We will do this again. I promise you, because I I, I don't know what to do with myself today. I'm so happy. Oh, yeah, uh, man. Thank you for a wonderful conversation. Join us for the next episode of the uh, Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at voramed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at jasonlee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at VOR podcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast any of the places where you find interesting uh, content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.